Hi, I'm Pastor Daniel, and welcome to Edge Church Podcast. To get connected, visit our website, edgechurch.co.za, or send us a WhatsApp on 076-032-3664. Say hi, and we will connect with you. Our full services can be found on our YouTube channel, but enjoy listening to the sermon. Well, good morning, church. Why don't you give me a wave? That's my way of connecting that I can see up at the balcony. So great to see you all this morning. Well, it's come to the third week of our extraordinary. And I want to just take a moment just to keep us, why are we doing this series? Why the leadership felt this was so important? You see, we desired, and the leadership of our church desired, that you would get a clearer picture, a biblical picture, a biblical understanding that will, the growth would take place and you would begin to engage with the Holy Spirit and His activity in your life, your everyday life. Sadly, so often we thought that the Holy Spirit lives in this building. And so when we come in, things happen. And that's true. His presence, because you will understand His role and His presence is amongst His people as well. But He's never, ever you alone without the Holy Spirit present. How he wants to intercept and interact and be involved in your daily life, where you are, right there in your home, raising children, being a wife, being a husband, being a single person, a student, maybe on a campus or at school. He wants to be there. He wants to be with you in your work environment. He wants to guide you, lead you, empower you right there in your work environment. You don't have to wait to come to church. He's with you constantly. And that's been the goal. And so from week one when Pastor Daniel kicked off with the teaching, he began to bring to us the reality of the person of the Holy Spirit and His presence with us always. Remember, He made an emphasis to not talk about it, that it led me this way. No, He led me because He's a person. Then I picked it up in the second week when we spoke about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the one who enables you to live in spite of the circumstances that you face. Living above the circumstances, not unrealistically, knowing that it's a rough time, but there's a power enabling you to face the challenges of life and the circumstances. The theme verse of our series was 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. In the Old Testament, the prophet Zechariah spoke about the Holy Spirit. He says, this is the word of the Lord, chapter 4 and verse 6. You will not succeed by your own strength or by your power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, all-powerful. And you begin to understand as you pull the threads together of understanding. And that's our desire. You'd demystify this 
understanding of the Holy Spirit and bring him into the intimacy of your relationship with God. You see, one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to empower you to function in your everyday life. And so today I want to take some time to bring the biblical understanding and take some time to demystify some of the things we thought about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to make a disclaimer. I'm not going to discuss each individual gift. I'm doing an overall picture about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. But I want us to come to God with an open heart this morning. A place where you can just receive the clutter of the day, the busyness of tomorrow, And so I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes and uh, take a deep breath and just place your hand on your heart, symbolizing my need for the Lord to work in my life. Very gently. Pray with me this prayer. Lord, I open myself to you today. I want to be taught. I want to accept your heart as my heart to accept your word as truth. I want to lay aside the misunderstandings I've had about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I want to be open to hearing your voice speak to me about my interaction with God's gift that he has given me. In Jesus' name, amen. I grew up in a family that really didn't make a lot about fuss about birthdays and presents. It was just strange. I thought everybody was like that. It was very simple. My dad in the mornings would wake us up and he'd uh, very much military style, you know. He came out of the war and we all, the first thing we did, we made our beds, all of us, and he watched us. He really did, he watched us, you know, so make sure you did your bed decently. And then the, the day would go, and he would uh, greet us, and we'd have our breakfast, and off the day went. When it came to your birthday, it was very much the same kind of thing. He'd wake us up, good morning. But this was significantly different for him. He would shake our hand on our birthday and say, God bless you, my son. And he would say, let me pray. And he'd pray God's blessing over you. And then he'll give you a wonderful gift like a shirt that you needed for school. <laughs> or a pair of, and still in the old wrapping, by the way, plastic from the store. Or a pair of socks or a pair of undies. And, so, and that was it. And we went on our day, got on, get on with the life. Thank you, God bless, move on. And I thought everybody had it like that. Until I met a wonderful young lady who pursued me until she married me. <laughs> um, Barbie. Now her family was very different. They celebrated these things. And I noticed a change in my heart about celebrating and gifts. I know I'm not talking about these fancy expensive gifts. I'm just talking about those kind gifts, those moments that someone thought of you very specially. I was a little out of touch with those things. And um, I began to understand a little bit more. In fact... To be very honest and vulnerable, I was 27 years old when I had my first birthday party. How about that one? And who organized it? Barbie. 
And I, I experienced this wonderful sense, and that became a tradition in our family. Wake them up at 6.30, the boys, the three of them, their eyes barely open. Lead them into the kitchen or into wherever we were, into the lounge. There was on the table a little cake she made and baked. And then there would be two candles, whatever it was. And we'd all sing. And at 6 o'clock, 6.30, we'd eat cake together. Can you believe it? And it went through the tradition. I remember we, my, I was the role of designing and cutting out the cake for these little cars and all. It was a big deal, and she made it. But something shifted within me. For her, that was normal. I began to understand a little bit about how God feels about his children. How intimate he is with us. How special we are to him. How that he's given us some of the most wonderful gifts. The gifts that we somehow take for granted. I want to share with you four gifts. There are many more in the Bible. But I want to highlight four because I'm leading you to the place of coming to the gifts of the Spirit. The most wonderful gift ever given to mankind was the gift of life. Try to imagine why God ever wanted to create people like us. He didn't need anything. He had the galaxies. I love it when the Hubble and these new t- uh, 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 telescopes uh, go further and further and they find new stars and they say, we have found a wonderful star. And I say, yes, it's been there forever and ever. And it brings me joy to know that all of that, and then he decides to create a planet, only conditions where we can live that we know of, and we can breathe, and if the earth just moved a little bit, we would be flying off in the axis. Everything made for us. Why? Because he loved to be with people. He wanted, listen to what the scripture says, Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27 Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. The old translation says, in our likeness. In other words, someone that can love and receive love. They will reign over the fish of the sea, birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals of the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image, in his image, In the image of God, he created man, male and female. He created them in his likeness. Why? Because of a deep love for people. He wanted us created. Listen to what chapter 2 says. God's word says, God formed the man from the dust of the ground and then he breathed the breath of life. Ruach into their nostrils, and the man became a living person. The gift of creation. Why me, Lord? Why did you make me? Because I had a plan. Genesis chapter 1 is the love story of God because of why you were created, because of his great love for you. He wanted a family. He wanted to live And have fellowship. He wanted to be loved and to love. Genesis chapter, Psalm 139, verse 13 says, 
You made all my delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. As you're sitting here, you're unique. Your fingerprint is the only fingerprint of you and no one else can have it. You were designed by God with love and precision and detail, different and distinct, special. And the Bible says when God created everything, he looked all that he made and he says it is very good. I brought mankind into a relationship with me. That's why you were born. The gift of life. Genesis chapter 3 tells us the story of man deciding that he wanted to rule his own life and take control over it. And so he moved away from the will of God and sinned. And man and woman committed sin. Not the act of the sin, but the heart of the sin was that they wanted to rule their own lives. And so God put in motion the second great gift, the gift of eternal life. The gift of salvation and forgiveness driven by God's love. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible speaks about God showed his great love for us by sending Jesus Christ while we were still sinners. He didn't want you to clean up your act. He loved you free for us to receive for all cannot be earned a gift of love and grace that's the God who gives the third gift that I want to highlight this morning is the gift of the Holy Spirit Acts chapter 1 verses 4 and 5 once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized you with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized in the Holy, with the Holy Spirit. He says to you, I give you the gift of eternal life and I give you the Holy Spirit that you may live this Christian life, that you may know that you are special, that you may know that when you stumble and fall, I will come and hold you and pick you up. I will give you grace to overcome some of the challenges of life. That's a gift. You didn't earn it. He gave it to us. And the Fourth gift that I want to focus on this morning is when he gave you the gift of the Spirit, what we call spiritual gifts. Listen to what the Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. That's what my goal is this morning, is to demystify, bring clarity to misconceptions we've had of the Holy Spirit's gifts and why we sometimes have ignored them. Listen to what it says. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. He makes it very clear that everyone receives a gift and he tells you what it's for. It's not for your pleasure they qualify. It's not for your gratification. It's not for your ego. It's so that you can serve others. I love what our church says. Love God and love people. So you can serve people. That's how he wants us to show his hands and his feet to a world. Not necessarily only in this building, 
But when you're out mixing with people, the word that Paul uses, I want you to hear, for spiritual gift, when he refers in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, is in the Greek, charismata, where we get charismatics from. I want you to understand what that word really means. It's not a denomination. It means charis, means grace, and mata means gifts. So technically what he's saying, I want to give you grace gifts. The Afrikaans translation is the best I've ever heard. Ghanade gave. It's, it's perfect. Grace gifts. The gifts are given without you earning it, without you striving for it, without you jumping up and saying, me, 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 pick me for the team. He says, I will give you what you need. Why? Because I put you together. I made you as you are. Why am I giving you this gift? Because of my loving kindness towards you. Look at me in the garden, showing my love. I gave them the whole garden. I gave them everything they wanted. What makes my heart change to you living on earth in South Africa on this morning in July? I still love you like I loved Adam and Eve in the beginning. And I will never cease loving you. Can somebody say amen to that with me? Why? We need to hear why these gifts are given to us. Jesus said, In Matthew 7 verse 11. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children. And that's what we try to do. How much more will your heavenly father. Will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask? He says why would I withhold these things from you? My love for you drives me. So let's bring some clarity this morning. Not a detailed study, but let's bring some clarity and overall. A foundation of the scriptures, so you can understand. And we're going to start with what the gifts are not. Number one, the gifts are not natural talents. Now in Matthew 25, they speak about a passage about the men. Three men were given different talents, two and five and one. Now, people think that's talents like the thing that we interpret what talents. No, in that passage, it means a currency, a certain amount of currency, money, hard cash, not cash, but currency was given to them, that they were to use it. So it's a reflection of using what you got in your hand. It's not about the talent. We need to clarify what talents are. Talents speak of a natural aptitude or a skill for some ability have you stood in a group of people and heard people sing and you know this one has got the gift of singing and this one hallelujah god bless them can rather just mime the words that's okay But everyone has a special gift. Those kind of people, they go to a piano and their fingers just kind of find the keys. And they touch it and they just do it. And the others have got poker fingers, well, hard sticks. And and you say, "Uh uh-uh. Nifioni, thank you that you know the chords, but they're hitting and making 
They're just not making the right sound. Some folk just have the flair for creativity. They see color. They see things. That's a natural thing. But please hear me. A spiritual gift is supernatural. In other words, it comes from God given to you through the Holy Spirit. It's not of yourself. Why? So that you can never say, I became the best keyboardist in town. No, you became the best in what you were doing because God gave it to you that no man can boast. God did that. It doesn't mean you don't develop your skill for rugby or football or whatever you can do. Whatever you play piano, please, that doesn't mean throw that away. Keep working on those gifts or those talents, excuse me. But the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit comes from beyond you. You were born once, then you get born again. Now you get a set of gifts in that born again supernatural experience. Number two, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not given to the elite club, the gold card club. Those people in the church that are so holy that you say, oh, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says. Spiritual gifts are given to each of us. Paul is saying, it's not reserved for a special group of people That's he calls those who I love more. Now that is contrary to the word of God. God does not love more one of his children and less of his other child. That's the Bible. God gives gifts to people. He gives favor to people who can give of their gift. And God uses them for his glory. Not because they're better than you. But because they have given themselves to serving him. That God gives them more and more. I love what Paul describes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 11. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all those gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Because he put you together. Because he wove you together. He says, this is the right gift for you. So you can't have spiritual envy on other people's gifts. You don't have to go into a competition. Who's better, which is more important. He says, everyone was given a gift by me. Because I love them equally. But I've given them the right gift that they have. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 18. Paul uses the analogy. But Our bodies have many parts. He uses the body. And God put each part just where he wants it. So can you imagine? We all want the gift of speaking. Can you imagine all these mouths just talking in the church and nobody giving you a cup of tea? Because that's not my gift. I don't use my hands. Try to imagine that. God says, no. My body has every single part that it needs. And that's why I will give gifts to my church that everyone will be serving so that everyone brings the glory of God to my church. There's no special gift that's super duper over the other. God knows exactly where you must fit in. Followed on from that, the gifts are not a sign of spiritual maturity. 
Because that means you can earn it and you can strive to get it. Remember, it's a grace gift from God. It was the Lord. If you think of Peter, he is a prime example. Peter was the one who denied Jesus. Peter was the one who betrayed Jesus. Not betrayed, denied, deserted. And he finally went away to catch fish back to his old life because of shame. Jesus went to find him. Jesus went to restore him. And who was the one who preached the first sermon on the day of Pentecost where 3,000 were saved and it was the birth of the church? It was the very one that had failed because God had given him the gift to speak the word of God. That's what God does. Looks at you and says, you are fitted for this one. Don't be envious of that one. Jesus called us to use the gifts we have. Fourthly, the gifts are not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Let me clarify that. The fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 verse 22, the Holy Spirit living in you, technically should be word, should be said, produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And they use the word the fruit now, fruit grows. This is a demonstration of your relationship with God through the Holy Spirit producing on your journey of growth fruit. It's about your behavior. It's about the way you treat people. It's the way you respond in your world that you've been placed. It's not a gift to be gentle. Mark me quiet, then you'll see. It's not a gift. Oh, he's got the gift of gentleness. No, it is the fruit that comes from a journey with God in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and it's producing fruit. You don't see fruit just come one, once the little first block, there's a whole apple there. No, it's got to grow from small. That's what the fruit produces in your life. But the gift is a free gift. You don't earn it. You don't work for it. Because God wants you to know that this gift I'm giving you can, does not come from you. You can't own it. You can't say to yourself, I'm going to now shine with this gift so the world will recognize who I am. It can't use that gift to say my ego needs a little boost so if I can have that gift, then people will acknowledge who I am. The gift, please hear me, is to serve other people. Not your gender, not your ego, not in any way even the advancement of your self-identity and your feeling of yourself. You will feel joy when you serve. You will feel deep satisfaction. But that's not the purpose that you serve. The purpose to serve is for serving other people. That's why the gifts are. Fifthly, the gifts are not to be feared. Listen to what James chapter 1 verse 17. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. Who created all the lights in heaven. He never changes and costs the shifting shadow. He's trying to say every gift that God gives is the perfect gift to fit for you. You need not fear, am I going to get this gift? What happens if he gives me the gift of tongues? Oh, I don't want that thing. What happens if he's going to give me the gift of faith that extends my... Oh, what happens if he gives me the gift of mercy, going to see the needy, the broken? 
It's God is going to equip you through the Holy Spirit to use your gift. So no one can say, look how well I've been doing. It's all of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at the definition, a concise definition will come on the screen, of the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, the gifts. It is a supernatural ability that God gives each of his children so that together we can advance the purpose, it should be an S, purposes of God on earth. God has purposes for each person's life. So he matches you to the gift so he can advance. Let's take a closer look at the definition. Take note, he makes it very clear. It's a gift. Nothing you earned, nothing you strove for, nothing you prayed harder for, just the gift. You get kind of surprised you gave this to me. Wow. They asked one of the great missionaries, William Carey, what's your gift? He says, it's not in the Bible, it's called the gift of plodding. I keep putting my foot, one foot in front of the other, that I will not stop following my Savior. It's not a gift. But he was trying to say, my master called me and I must follow. Secondly, it's not supernatural. Excuse me, it is supernatural, it's not natural. Thirdly, I want you to note that it is given to each of his children, no exception. And these are the two words I want us to hold on to for a minute. It speaks about together we advance. The gift is not a solo gift. You can't just say, I have a gift, I'm going to serve. It's worked within a team. That's why at Edge Church we talk about, do you belong to a serving team? We don't ask if you serve, which we do, but we're saying you need to connect to a team because we work together to display the body of Christ that we're all going to build into each other's life. Oh, he's very good, but he can't work in a team. Well, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. That means... That God's heart is grief, that we can't work together. That we can't accept the weaknesses of each other. We can't kind of pick up, oh, this one's struggling. Let me come alongside. Because it's advancing the kingdom. In a team, we get to understand the mercy and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit can be seen working even in a team. We work together as a body, as a team. And we advance the purposes of God on earth. And the kingdom of God. Please hear me. We're not advancing its church. That's not the goal for gifts. It is for God's glory and for his kingdom. It's not for your ego and your ministry. It is all for Jesus and his kingdom. Can somebody give me an amen on that? So let's take a closer look and go deeper in understanding what gifts are. And I'm going to give you a few steps in this last part of my sermon. As I said to you, this is overall viewing. I believe that when you get a clearer understanding and you demystify some of the things that you've carried over in your life, in your Christian life about gifts, and when you become to a deeper understanding, a confidence begins to grow. Even a desire begins to grow. A new courageous desire to say, Lord, I want to be used of you. I want to use what you've given me. Let me give you a few very simple steps. Three, in how you can grow in your understanding 
of using your gifts. Number one, discover the gift or the gifts that God has given you because he can give you more. Listen to what Romans chapter 12 verse 6 says. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. God gives it. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. It speaks about your confidence taking a a leap of faith to believe that you can use whatever gift you can. So I want to encourage you to start reading the Romans 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12. Just the passages about the gift. Start reading it. Start praying and asking God, show me what is it that you stirred up in me? Because God, I desire to be used of you. I don't want to neglect anything here. Examine what is happening inside you. Take a spiritual assessment questionnaire. You're going to find this on our webpage and you can look under resources. If you don't know where to find it, speak to any of the team, any of the volunteers, they'll tell you. Under resources, and it's a very simple, simple exercise. It's literally, do you do this, do you do that, and you cross it off and you add your numbers and eventually it starts ushering you to the gifts. Please get hold of it on our website. And then when you've kind of got some direction, go and talk to your life group leader. Talk to a spiritual leader. Talk to one of our elders. Talk to one of our leaders in our church. Say, something has moved here. I'm not too sure, but I'm not going to let it go. Often we hear a sermon. We get stirred up to say, I'm going to discover. I'm feeling to you to push right through. And find the gift so you can start serving in the place that God has designed you for. Secondly, develop the gift you have been given. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 14 says. Let love be your great highest goal. But you should also desire the special abilities slash spiritual gifts. Gives especially The ability to prophesy, 1 Corinthians 14. Ask God for a longing and a desire. Now you say to me, can I pray for desire? Listen to 1 Corinthians, uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. For it is God who gives you the desire and the will to do what pleases him. It's God that gives you the desire. You can pray for desire. You say, Lord, I'm not satisfied with my Christian life. I once used to serve and now I've just kind of... Distant. I've kind of taken my own qualified sabbatical, not in the scriptures, nowhere, but I've decided I'm going to step back. You see, Paul had to write to Timothy, and Timothy was a fine young man. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. This is why I remind you, and I'm reminding us this morning. To fan into flame the spiritual gifts God gave you when I laid my hands on. He says, Timothy, you're getting cold on these gifts. The embers have died. And there are people this morning, long before, even while I was preparing, God says, you're going to be talking to some folk this morning. As I was preparing, Holy Spirit one morning said, that have let the flame of their gift 
estruendo. You see, there are times it does happen. We get discouraged, we get hurt, we get disappointed. By the way, because we're human and we carry our spirituality in humanity. At times when you feel like, I just can't anymore. You have to dig deep and start stirring and find out why you serve. And why you're going to use your gift. It's for the love of God. Only love will motivate you to serve the master. Technically, we serve an audience of one. We look to him why we serve. The third thing is, take a step of faith and use your spiritual gift. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, do not neglect the spiritual gift you receive. Twice he speaks to the same young man because something had gone off the boil. Something had distracted him. Something had drawn him away. And he writes to Timothy and he says, don't run from this thing. Don't pretend I didn't give you a gift, Timothy. God is telling him. If you don't lose it, you will lose something, use it. You will lose something in your own life. If God has given you a gift and he asked you to be responsible for it, use it. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10, God has given each of you a gift for his great variety of gifts. Use them well to serve one another. I want to conclude with a passage that changed literally the trajectory of my life. I became a Christian in the latter part of my high school life and I gave my heart to Jesus and my passions changed my desires changed but about a year into my Christian journey I attended a conference where a preacher was preaching by the name of Dr. Stephen Alford and looking back now it's significant that it was him preaching he was a missionary kid that was raised in Angola. And part of my missionary terms when I went and served in latter years was on the Angolan-Namibian border. And in fact, I met a missionary that knew him as a child. And I was deeply impacted when he preached a sermon out of the book of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way we worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. He preached that. I was sitting at the very back of the first, the mezzanine floor, literally at the back. You often hear those stories. Well, I was one of those at the back. And God began to speak to me about me. Yes, Pedro, you've given your heart. But today I want you to give your life to me. I've put gifts in you that I want to use. Will you surrender your future? And on that day I walked down from the back as they sang 
a song that is written by Francis Havergale that we, I got accustomed to singing in church life in latter years. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the impulse of your love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my silver and gold. I didn't have much of that, but I was willing to give everything I had. Not a mite will I withhold. Take my intellect and use. And then it said the final verse, and that's what got me on my feet. Take my will and make it thine. It shall no longer be mine. Take my heart. It is thy own. It shall be thy royal throne. And I walked down and stood amongst a group of people in the front. And I said, Lord, today I present my life, my future, my career. Whatever you want to do in my life, come, Lord. I'm willing. I didn't immediately feel different. Nothing shifted in the beginning. But stirrings started up in my life. Longings started growing stronger. I didn't realize that there were gifts lying in my life that he had deposited that started coming to the fore, gifts of leadership. I didn't know that. Gifts of discernment. I didn't know they were there. But because I made myself available to him, he was able to use the gifts he gave me. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 1, invest what you have because after a while you will get a great return. Will you come today and say, Lord, here I am. I've given you my life. You put gifts in my life. You have deposited. I want now for you. As I come to surrender to you, to use the gifts in my life as I yield myself to you. Will you pray with me? Would you bow your heads? John is going to play on the keyboards for a few moments. I want you to be in silence with God. It's not my work to convince. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Would you say like Isaiah, here I am, Lord. Use me. Just as I am. God's calling you to surrender so he can use every gift that he's given you. I'm not asking people to raise their hands today. I'm asking you to take a step that said I desire for you to use me in my spiritual gift I'm going to stir up that gift in me that has gone dormant that's your desire and you've prayed that quietly I want to seal that with you Lord as people have prayed this morning 
This is business between them and God, not me. I'm just bearing witness to their desire. With heaven, I stand with them today. The Holy Spirit will confirm in their hearts your amen, your yes, your smile of delight upon their life. As they said, yes, use me. Maybe the others this morning that have never known God's love and forgiveness. Somehow you've come to church, but somehow the waning depth of your soul is that you've never had an intimate relationship with Him. And this morning, the Holy Spirit is moving right across this place right now. And He's prompting you to say yes to Him. If your desire is to enter in a deep, personal relationship with Jesus, a relationship to say yes to him I want to follow you would you slip your hand in the air I want to pray for you right where you are just slip it up God bless you at the back God bless you at the back God bless you on the balcony God bless you don't delay Lord Jesus thank you for the hands that are raised this morning they've responded to your love and your mercy and your grace draw them to yourself and fill them with your spirit and give them much much grace to continue this road if you raised your hand pray this prayer with me now Lord Jesus Son of God I commit my life into your hands Amen Amen. God bless you church thanks for listening